Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Great crowds. See, once again, there was a great multitude that was following Jesus. Jesus was famous all throughout Israel. And uh, verse 2, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. What an amazing uh, situation. The crowds are following Jesus. All of a sudden this leper comes up to Jesus. This leper had to be very brave because what he was doing was illegal. Uh, you're not allowed to mingle in society. You're supposed to be in your leper colony uh, in those days. If you were to be released into society, you had to be cleared of your leprosy. In order to do that, you'd have to go to the priests um, as Moses commanded, and they would check you, check your body, and then they would give you a certificate of, of health, and then you'd be able to be reintegrated into society. But this man was obviously still fully leprous, covered in leprosy, and uh, he had heard about Jesus, obviously. And so this is incredible faith. He was willing to risk his life just to get himself to Jesus. And uh, it's amazing. And then he comes and he, he kneels before Jesus. And this is a theme that we're going to see throughout the Gospels very often. People coming and kneeling at Jesus. Some places it says they fell at his feet. Other places say he they touched the hem of his garment. It's all at the feet of Jesus. And it was an act of surrender. It was an act of faith. It was saying, we believe that you are the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the one who was to come. We believe you are the son of David, the king, the rightful king of Israel, the son of God. You know, they were paying homage to Jesus. It was an act of worship. In fact, worship means to, to come towards and to bow down before and to kiss the hand or to kiss the ground. The actual word for worship is proskuneo, and that's what it means to bow down. And to kiss the ground, it's, it's, to, it's to worship the king. And um, we'll see many people coming and bowing before Jesus. And everyone, everyone, everyone who came to Jesus and bowed before him received something from him. They received healing, miracles, uh, deliverance. Um, just everyone who did it, you'll, we're going to see they received a mighty miracle. And this leper, he came and he bowed before him. See, because the Pharisees and the religious, the Sadducees, the scribes, they weren't coming and bowing before Jesus. They were rejecting him. They were accusing him of uh, operating by demons. They were trying to kill him. And um, there's no way they were going to bow before Jesus. But many of the people of Israel that, that were repenting, they were turning away from Moses. They were turning away from works and religion. And they were turning to faith. They were turning to Christ. Um, they were bowing down before him and honoring him as the king, as the son, as the Messiah. And so this leper, he's no different. He comes and he says, Jesus, this is faith. He says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he believed that Jesus could make him clean. He just, he was uncertain whether Jesus was willing. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people today are like that. They know that God can heal them, but they're not sure if it's his will to heal them. And uh, Jesus just cleared up that question for us. He answered that question. Uh, he, he reached out his hand and he touched the leper and he said, I am willing. I do will. Be clean. 
And the Bible says that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. He only ever did what his Father in heaven told him. So a lot of people, they, they think that, that God wants to put sickness on people to teach them a lesson. And God uses sickness. And uh, so we're not sure whether it's his will to heal everyone. And he might only want to heal some. And, and you know, we, we can't really have faith for healing. And because God might be trying to teach. And, and that, all of that is just nonsense. That's just made up religion. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus came to reveal. And uh, I would rather follow Jesus and the words of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus then follow dead religion and traditions of man and theology that's based on experience, um, which a lot of the theology today is. And so that's what they come to those conclusions. Well, I prayed for someone that didn't get healed. So obviously it's not always God's will to heal. Or, you know, I'm a man of faith and I got sick and I prayed and I didn't get healed. So obviously God's trying to teach me something. All of that stuff, as sincere as people are being, it's actually, it's not the word of God. It's not the will of God. Jesus came to reveal the will of God and he reached out and he touched the lip and he said, I am willing, be clean. And, and everyone who came to Jesus, who knelt before him, the crowds who came, everyone who was sick that came to Jesus, the Bible says over and over again, he healed all of them. He didn't go through the crowd saying, well, no, you keep your sickness. I'll heal you. I'll heal you, but I won't heal you. You stay sick because God's trying to teach you something. I won't heal you. You've got unforgiveness. You've got sin in your life, um, but you, you're holy, so I'll heal you. No, all of that is nonsense. Jesus went and healed all. Everyone who came to him in faith, he healed. And even the crowds, you know, you, even some people wouldn't have had faith. They would have had doubt. However, they were coming and they were following him which is actually faith. So, you know, whether they had full faith, because even um, the father of the sick kid uh, who was demonized, uh, Jesus said, if you believe, you'll receive. And the man said, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. And so sometimes we do believe, but we've also got some unbelief in our hearts. And uh, it's wonderful that he was so honest about it. And that's what we need to be like. You know, yes, I do believe. Jesus, I do believe you're the healer. I do believe it's God's will to heal. But I also have some doubts. Help me, God. Help me with my unbelief. I tell you, that is a great place to be. And so this leper, he was, he was in that place. I do believe, but I'm not sure if it's your will. And Jesus cleared it up. He said, it is my will. Be clean. And I love the fact that Jesus reached out and he touched him. I mean, Jesus walked in absolute authority, absolute faith. He wasn't afraid of the leprosy. The leprosy was afraid of Jesus. And he reached out and he touched the man. And in those days, you don't do that. You don't touch lepers. And so the crowd, they looked and they saw Jesus reaching out. And they're like, oh, no, don't do that. What are you doing? And he just reached out. He touched the man. He said, I am willing. And immediately the leper was cleansed and his leprosy was clean. And what an incredible, powerful, awesome story. Verse 4. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. So basically, Jesus said, don't run around town telling everyone what God has done for you um, because you haven't been declared clean yet. Okay, they were living under that law context. Israel was still under the law and they still had to operate under the, the law. And so part of the law was if you're a leper, you can't just run around in society. You have to go and get cleared first. So that's what Jesus was saying. Go get cleared first, you know, and then go and run around and tell everyone, which I'm sure he did. Verse five, when he had entered Capernaum, this is Jesus, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. So a centurion uh, was a Gentile. 
This was a Roman centurion, centurion meaning that uh, he was a captain over a hundred people, over a hundred soldiers. And so he obviously was someone who had power, he had authority, but he was a Gentile and he came to Jesus with a request. Okay, so he came forward to him. Obviously there was a crowd of people and then all of a sudden this centurion comes forward to Jesus. He said, Lord, he calls, he calls Jesus Lord. I mean, the Jewish people were oppressed by the Romans. The Romans were in control and they were ruling. Uh, they were a foreign force that was ruling over Israel. The Jews were subservient to the Romans. So this Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he calls him Lord. Isn't that incredible? That, that, that's an act of surrender, submissiveness. Lord, that's it's 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 actually worship, my Lord. He's recognizing who Jesus was, a Roman, a Gentile. This is incredible. Lord, verse six, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. Incredible humility. And he didn't see Jesus as some little slave, just some little Jewish beggar person. He, he saw Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. And he recognized him as the king, as the Messiah, even though he was a Gentile. That's what makes this incredible. A lot of the Jewish people didn't recognize Jesus. The Pharisees, they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't honor him as the Messiah. They didn't call him Lord. They, they said he was a false prophet. But here the centurion is calling him Lord. He says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. What is that? That is faith. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. What an incredible thing that just happened. Here a Gentile was coming to Jesus, surrendering to him and recognizing his authority. And Jesus says to the crowd, the Jewish crowd, he says, nowhere in all of Israel have I seen such great faith. That, that was a little bit of a, of a condemnation towards Israel, you know, saying, you're the guys, you're the people that are supposed to have faith. You're supposed to believe in me. And, and yet so many are rejecting me. Um, but here there's this Gentile coming and calling me Lord and recognizing my authority and my power. And, and Jesus saying, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. And so the, this centurion, he, he understood authority. He knew authority. He had authority and he gave commands and people had to obey. And he understood the authority of Jesus. Jesus had the authority. He had the power. And he knew that if Jesus gave the command, his servant would be healed. And so just recognizing that, honoring that was faith. 
And Jesus saw his faith. He could see that he has faith. And so he said, according to your faith, let it be done. And so this miracle was contingent on the power of God, but also on the faith of the centurion. So Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done. And then the servant was healed. So obviously the the centurion's servant was healed. So obviously the centurion had faith and and he was healed according to his faith. And many times we see that uh, according to your faith, be healed. Another amazing thing about this is um, shows us that it's possible to heal people at a distance. You know, some people can't get to you um, for, for whatever reasons. And, you know, you'll have people saying, can you pray for them? They're in the hospital or they're somewhere in another country. And it just shows that you can pray like Jesus. Jesus said, the works I do, you will do and greater works. And he was speaking to us, the disciples, the, the, the future church. And so the servant was far away. And Jesus said, go, and and he released the miracle, and the servant was healed. And so it shows us that we can also pray for people. You don't have to physically be there. I mean, it's great if you physically there, lay hands on people, like the leper. He, He touched him, he laid hands on him. But there can be people at a distance, and you can just give the word, the command, and release power and healing through your words, and they can be healed. Amen. It's so wonderful. Oh, and then verse 11, it talks about many will come from the east and the west, and they will... Uh, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, Israel, they were the fathers of Israel. Abraham is the father of faith. Israel came through Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. And so they all were very proud of the fact that they were children of Abraham because Abraham was blessed by God. He was made into a great nation. And so, you know, they all considered themselves children of Abraham, the, you know, children of the promise, children of the blessing. And the thing was with Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So Abraham was a man of faith. And here Jesus, he's saying that uh, many will come from the east and the west. He's speaking about Gentiles. He's saying Gentiles will come from the east and the west and they will sit with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in heaven. So in eternity. In other words, the Gentiles are going to, many Gentiles are going to be saved and they're going to sit with, you know, Israel's father, Abraham. Israel's fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, but many who are sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In other words, Jewish people were the sons of the kingdom. Their, their inheritance was Abraham. Their inheritance was the grace of God, the salvation of God that comes through Abraham. But because they didn't believe, because they reject, they were rejecting Jesus. He was speaking about the Pharisees and the religious who rejected Jesus. Because they didn't receive Jesus, um, they would be cast into outer darkness. But they should have believed in Jesus. It should have been the easiest thing for them to have faith. Here was the Son of God coming, the Savior, the Deliverer, coming to Israel, the Promised One. It should have been the easiest thing for them to recognize Him and to receive Him and to believe in Him. And yet many of them, we see, rejected Him and ultimately ended up crucifying Him. And so Jesus is saying, you know, Israel, you are rejecting me. You should be having faith. Your inherit this is your inheritance, and yet you're rejecting me. Um, salvation is can only come through me, but there are Gentiles, there are foreigners who see me, who recognize me, and they are gonna sit in heaven while you, unbelieving, are cast out. Okay, the Gentiles are gonna sit in heaven with Abraham because of their faith, because of their great faith, because they believe in Jesus, but the Jewish people who are unbelieving and religious, they're going to be cast into outer darkness because of their unbelief. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
Verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So Peter was married and this is his wife's mother. This is uh, Peter's house and his mother-in-law is at home. What a, what a good what a good son-in-law. He was taking care of his mother-in-law. He let her stay at his house and she was sick and he was looking after her. What a good boy, hey? All right, verse 15. Uh, he touched her hand. This is Jesus. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve. What? How amazing. That is so incredible. She's lying sick with fever in bed. Jesus walks in, touches her hand and the fever leaves her. He just released the power of God into her body and she was instantly supernaturally healed. I just I just love this. Jesus is is a God of miracles. You know, he didn't spend hours and days praying for her and wrestling for her and, and rebuking every demon in hell. He just touched her. I just love that. Often it says Jesus just gave a word, go, and the demon left. Or he said, be healed, and they were healed. In this situation, he didn't even, it seems like he didn't even pray or say anything. He just touched her. That is the power of God. That is faith. See, unbelief has to use so many words just babbling and babbling, so many words and praying and begging and pleading. But faith is authority. You carry authority. And Jesus said, go, your servant is healed. And Jesus touched her and she was healed. That is faith. That is authority. That is the power of God. Verse 16, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. Obviously word got out, you know, that he had healed the mother-in-law, also the leper and, and the centurion. You know, so word was spreading that Jesus, he was in town and he was healing. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So the crowds bring the demonized and the sick and Jesus rebukes the demons, commands them to go with a word, go. And the demons just flee in terror because they know who he is and, and they, they have to go because of his authority. And then he heals all the sick. I love the fact that it says all. It doesn't say some. You know, he didn't. There wasn't some kind of sovereign election. This is God's will to heal all. Jesus came to reveal the will of the Father and Jesus healed all. So it's the Father's will is for all to be healed. And I just love the fact that he healed all. And it's interesting that verse 17 says that this was to fulfill what is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that Jesus would take up our illnesses and our sicknesses. He would bear our diseases. And Matthew here is showing that Jesus is indeed the confirmation, the fulfillment. He is the man that Isaiah was prophesying about. There can be no doubt about it. This, this Jesus is the Messiah, the one that Isaiah prophesied about 600 years before this, that he would take up our sicknesses, he would take up our sins, he would be punished in our place, he would bear our diseases. Speaking about the cross, the Lamb of God who would suffer on the cross, um, and but he was saying there is no doubt that this is the one. Look at him, he's taking up people's sicknesses. It's amazing that, that Jesus did this before the cross. Um, I believe he, he was operating in the power of the Spirit, he was operating in faith. He was, he was operating in authority, healing people's sickness. He was demonstrating to us what we can do. 
being um, empowered by the Spirit, walking in faith, walking on the authority of the Word. Jesus said, the works I do, you will do and greater works because I go to the Father and I'll send the Spirit to you. So he was demonstrating as a man, full of the Spirit, full of faith, full of the authority of the Word, what we can do as people, as men, women, full of the Spirit, full of the power. But also, this was to fulfill the prophecy and it was to show that Jesus was the one. He was the one that was prophesied about. Verse 18 now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and, le and leave the dead to bury their dead. And so it seems like Jesus is being a little bit harsh here, but he was talking about the seriousness of following him, that you don't do it as a half-hearted thing. This is something where you give up everything to follow him. And the, the teacher was saying, you know, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus knew that wasn't a, a statement of conviction. He, he, he didn't mean that. You know, he was half-hearted about that. And that's why Jesus' response was, well, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man, the Messiah, has nowhere to lay his head. Saying, you know, you won't be able to keep up with me if you're only half-hearted. And then, and then, you know, one of his disciples, but I will follow you, but first let me go and bury the dead. Let me go and do, you know, all these other things. There's all these other things he wants to do. But yeah, I'll also follow you. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't just try to add me to your life. You give up everything. Let the dead bury the dead. In other words, let the spiritually dead go and bury their own dead. But if you want life, you come and follow me. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a harsh, unkind thing. He wasn't trying to be mean. He was talking about the seriousness of following him. It can't be a half-hearted decision. Verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. <laughs> I'm sure they would have after they just heard what he said. Okay, I'll follow you. Um, and behold, there rose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? So here they are on the Sea of Galilee. They got into a boat. You got to remember that these were fishermen. And uh, they understood the sea. They understood storms, waves, boats. And they were afraid. They knew that this is the kind of storm that could kill you. I'm sure they'd been in many storms before. But they knew this storm was different. This was a great storm. And uh, Jesus had said, we're crossing over. We're going to the other side. But the thing was, they didn't believe those words. They, they, they saw the storm and they were afraid. Jesus believed his own words. He wasn't afraid. Jesus was operating from a different kind of peace. He was operating from the kingdom. He had a supernatural peace in him. And when he said something, he, it was going to happen. And yet the disciples, they were afraid. They were focused on the storm. It's amazing that Jesus was sleeping during the storm. How, do you, how does someone sleep? during a storm where, where experienced fishermen think they're going to die. 
And so you can imagine they were so frantic, waking them up. Jesus, what are you doing, man? Why are you sleeping? We're going to die. There's, the, the boat's taking in water. We're, we're finished. We're over. We're going to die. And Jesus, he's, he was, it was almost like he was annoyed that they woke him up. He's like, why are you so worried? You of little faith. And I, I just, I love the fact that Jesus challenged them on their faith because they should have had faith. They should have believed. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. They should have believed him. And the reality is that faith really should be the most easiest thing to believe, to believe God, to believe in God, to believe in the Messiah, to believe in the power of God. It really should be the easiest thing. And yet it's so hard for so many people. It's so, so many people don't have faith because we've been blinded by storms, by circumstances, by different storms in our life, different circumstances, things that want to distract us from God, from there's lies, um, there's demonic influence, there's all these things that are trying to come and bring us into unbelief and steal our faith and stop us from having faith. But the most easiest, normalist, naturalist thing should be to believe. You should be able to look at creation and think, there's a creator. God created this. And when Jesus walks with them and he's healing and he's doing miracles, and, and, and he says, we're going to the other side. Doesn't matter if there's a storm. Doesn't matter what comes against you. No, Jesus said it. We believe it. He's the Messiah. He's the King. He's the deliverer. We believe his words. We're going to sleep as well. They should have been sleeping as well. And yet they were, had their eyes on the storm. And it's, it's a good lesson for us. You know, whatever Jesus has said, if Jesus had spoken the word, he, if he's revealed his will to your life or through his word, it doesn't matter what comes against you. Don't get caught up on the storms. Focus on the storms. Focus on what Jesus said, on his words, and then you'll have faith. And Jesus actually says, you have little faith. And we're so afraid to tell people that they don't have faith. Jesus wasn't afraid. We're afraid of hurting someone's feelings, of offending someone, of, of thinking that we've got so much faith. And, you know, they, you know, like as though it's some kind of judgmental thing. And, and we, we become fearful. And obviously, we don't want to be mean to people. And Jesus wasn't telling them they don't have faith because he was trying to be mean to them. But he was trying to wake them up. He was trying to open their eyes. He was trying to provoke them. And, and, and yeah, I mean, they could have said, what are you talking about? You're talking about faith. We're, we're dying. We're going to die in a storm. Like, we're, you know, you're talking about having faith. Jesus would. And Jesus, the first thing he does when he wakes up, why have you got such little faith? It's just incredible. And then he gets up and he rebukes the storm. He rebukes the storm. Jesus walking in such authority says, be still, be quiet. You, you storm that disturbed my sleep. How dare you? <laughs> like, sh stop now. And he rebukes it. And, the, and, and it says there was a great calm. I mean, that was just a phenomenal miracle. You can imagine the disciples. would have, And it says they marveled. They were astonished. They were shocked. One minute they were going to die. The next minute, there's this absolute peace and tranquility. And, and, and that is the peace that Jesus walked in. Because he was, he was in the earth, but he was not of the earth. He was of another kingdom. He was from the kingdom, and he was the king of that kingdom. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. And he walked in that supernatural realm of peace. And that was the realm of faith. That was the realm of authority, the realm of power. And uh, he, just, he just manifested that, that power and that peace everywhere he went. And he manifested it in that situation. Um, and it's just absolutely incredible. And I believe Christ in us 
Jesus living in us, that we have the Prince of Peace. We have supernatural peace on the inside of us. And I love his peace and I always want to live in his peace and I want to live from his peace. And, 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 and I tell you, no matter what storms come against you, what, you know, it could be financial storm, could be um, sickness storm, could be opposition storm, trouble, just different crisis storm come into our life. Um, you know, the, the storms are real. Storms are real and we will face storms, but we don't have to freak out like the disciples. We can be like Jesus. Peace, sleeping, sleeping through the storms. Yes, the storm is real, but you know, we can have supernatural peace in the storms because of Jesus. And not only that, we can take it a step further. We can speak to our storms in authority because we have Christ. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus on that throne, that place of authority. And we can speak to our storms and say, peace, be still in Jesus' name and actually bring peace to the storms and manifest that peace wherever we go. It's, we need the peace to manifest in us first. And then as we carry that peace, we can manifest it in the world around us. And the disciples marveled. Imagine people in our lives when they see us so peaceful in the middle of a storm and then they actually see us rebuking storms, whatever storms we've had, and those storms going away and becoming calm. They're just going to marvel. Amen. I just, I love it. This is awesome. Verse 28. When Jesus came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So this was Jesus' mission. He had come just for these guys to, to reach them. Obviously, the whole town knew about these people. Uh, other translations, gospels say that they were naked, running around. They tried to, people tried to bind them in chains, but they broke the chains. Um, one says that the, his name was Legion, meaning that he was demonized with 6,000. And so the whole town would have known these people would have been in fear of them, scared of them. They were like banished. They were living in the tombs, living in the tombs. I mean, this is the stuff of a horror movie. Okay, they were so fierce, so violent. So, and so everyone would have lived in fear, but not Jesus. Jesus just gets out the boat, walks onto the ground. You know, authority and power suddenly was stepping into that region and onto the ground. And, and the demonized men um, came running. At, at, um, in the Gospel of Mark, it says they ran to Jesus and they fell at his feet. Again, falling at his feet, bowing. And, and then the demons in them said, what have you to do with us? O son of God. They knew who Jesus was. They recognized he was the Messiah. The Pharisees couldn't recognize and didn't recognize. But even the demons did. They knew that Jesus was the son of God. They said, have you come to torment us before our time? And I love the fact. Demons here were afraid of Jesus. They weren't so big and powerful. And, and a lot of Christians are afraid of demons and we think that they're so scary and so big and powerful and our hair stands up and we get goosebumps. Ooh, there's a demon. And that's exactly what they want. They want you to be afraid. That's the atmosphere that they move in. That is what they try to put on you. Because when you're in fear, you're not in faith. Okay, fear is the opposite of faith. But when you're full of faith, you won't be afraid. You're not fearful. Why? Because you know who your God is. You know who your authority is. And Jesus was not one bit afraid. 
He had just calmed the storm. He was walking in that peace. And I believe as he stepped onto that land, there would have been shock waves going throughout. And even the demons, they, they, they knew, they were agitated. They came out of the tombs and they ran to Jesus. And they were, in, they were being tormented by the presence of Jesus. They were in fear of Jesus. And they, and they said, have you come to torment us before our time? They knew their destiny. They, know, they knew they were going to be thrown into the lake of fire, into the abyss. They knew what was coming. And they thought judgment, Jesus had come early to judge them. You know, you've come ahead of time. This, you've come ahead of schedule. Jesus, why? We thought we had more time. Incredible. He wasn't afraid of demons. We don't need to be afraid of demons because he had authority, all authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me in Matthew 28. And I tell you, and then he said, go therefore and make disciples. And, and, and meaning that we have authority in him. We carry his authority. And the reality is we are seated in Christ, in the, in the heavens, on his throne with him, co-heirs reigning with Christ. So we have that authority. That authority doesn't come through our works and what we do, whether we're good or bad, whether we sin or don't sin. That authority comes through grace because it is through grace that we sit with Christ. It is through grace that we died with Christ and we're made alive with Christ and ascended and sat down with Christ. It is all by grace. We didn't do it in our works. There was nothing that we did to achieve it. It came through grace. And so the authority that we have comes by grace. All right. Verse 30. Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them and the demons begged him. I love the fact that the demons begged Jesus. They weren't ruling the show right now. Jesus was in control. He was the one who had dominion and authority. I, I love the fact that these demons couldn't stop this man or these two men. Some, some, some gospels say one man demonized man others say two demonized man whether it was one or two it's not actually that important um, in this case it says two so there was probably two other gospels just mentioned one um, you know we're not sure the exact reasons for that um, but that that doesn't actually matter the gospel here is saying there was two men and i love the fact that these demons couldn't stop this these men from getting to jesus and it's like no matter how bound someone is, no matter how bound you are, no matter how demonized you are, no matter what sin you're struggling with, no matter what bondage you're dealing with, nothing can stop you from getting to Jesus. And if you would just come to Jesus and fall at his feet and surrender to him, the King of Kings, then I tell you, his dominion and authority and power would come over you. Everyone who fell at his feet, who knelt before Jesus, who bowed before Jesus, that they surrendered to the king and then the authority of the king, his power, his kingdom came over them and they received their miracle. They received their power, their deliverance. And so these demons, they think, we think all demons are so powerful. These demons couldn't stop this man, this human being, these two men from getting to Jesus. And he got himself to Jesus and fell at his feet and then Jesus delivered him and set him free. It's so awesome. The, the, the demons begged Jesus to send them into the pigs. And he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. I love the fact that Jesus didn't plead with the demons. He didn't beg the demons. He didn't wrestle with the demons. He walked in his authority and power and he gave one word, go. And they went and they left. 
that is faith, that is power, that is authority. Okay, if you've got to spend hours and hours and hours wrestling, I'll tell you, faith is not an operation, authority is not an operation. We need to walk in the kind of authority that Jesus had. And he said, go, and the demons just left. And they went into the pigs, 2,000 pigs, and they ran down the hill into the water, drowned and died. I mean, can you imagine a herd of 2,000 pigs full of 6,000 demons? That's like three demons per pig like squealing and squawking and shrieking. You know the sound that a pig makes on its own. It's terrible. Imagine having three demons and they're kicking and trying to get away and they're just running down the hill. I mean, it would have been scary scene. Verse 33, the herdsmen fled and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. So obviously this was just all too much for the people of the town and Jesus was just freaking them out too much. And, um, you know, they just, they begged Jesus to leave, which is strange. They should have begged him to stay and sorted out their town and helped. There was probably other people that were demonized and sick. And, um, um, but it was just a bit too much for them. They were freaking out and they just begged him to leave. Just go, like, we can't handle this anymore. And it's amazing in other gospels, Jesus says the demonized men want to go with Jesus. You know, they've been set free in their right mind. They want to go. And Jesus says, no, stay and go tell everything to your friends and your family. And so we'll see later, Jesus actually comes back to the region. And instead of begging him to leave, they actually begged that they could touch the hem of his garment. And, and everyone who touched the hem of his garment was healed. And so obviously the, this, uh, the demonized men became great evangelists and they would have told everyone you know what all i did is i ran to jesus i fell at his feet and then he healed me and set me free and and so then we see later the crowds coming and so there's amazing lesson in this whole um, situation uh, you know imagine if they had just given up in the storm and didn't cross over to the other side just got caught up in the storm and didn't cross over that man would have never got set free and later on you know the crowds wouldn't have been healed and and touched by Jesus but because they pressed through the storm because Jesus had faith and he calmed the storm and they crossed over to the other side all of those miracles took place that man got set free and uh, it's it's a lesson for us that in this life we need to not let storms take us out you know a lot of people we go through hard times and you know we just end up bailing on God bailing on our faith you know, just giving up and, and just resigning ourselves to an average nominal life. And uh, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to walk in faith. We're supposed to persevere through the storms. Yes, the storms can be hard, but we're supposed to persevere. Why? Because there's people on the other side that need us to get through our storms so that we can bring peace into their life and peace and deliverance and healing and the, and the message of Jesus to their life. So that's an encouragement uh, Jesus said, you're going to the other side. You might be facing some kind of crazy storm in your life, but Jesus has got a calling and a purpose for your life. He said, you're going to the other side. So hear his words, get your eyes off the storm, get your eyes on Jesus because you are going to the other side. And there's people that are going to be so blessed because you persevered and endured. Amen. Hey, this is Ryan Rufus, and I hope you enjoyed this last chapter. Could I ask if you've been blessed by the Grace Bible Commentary, 
would you consider making a donation to New Nature Ministries to help support the ongoing work of the Grace Bible Commentary? That would be greatly appreciated. To do that, simply go to newnatureministries.org. Thank you and God bless.